Hey, what is up, guys? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Blake Benz Podcast. Excited for our episode today. I have a very quick and dirty episode, nothing too long, uh, but extremely practical. And this is probably going to be, you know, I try to, and just in general, I try to, I'm, I'm, I'm an encourager at heart, and so I try to be encouraging and, and aspirational for people that I work with. But also, a lot of what I do is very, uh, it's very, uh, I don't say quick and dirty, it's it's just very, it's, I don't know, <laughs> it's not gritty, It's it's just... It's just very practical, and it's, sometimes it is very nitty gritty, and sometimes it is in the weeds with people that I work with. And I was—I can't remember if I've told this story or not—but I was working with a uh, group of people a few weeks ago, and someone said they asked the question, you know, as a motivational person, how do you stay so positive? And I said, well, uh, I think that would be definitely a miss—that would be someone misunderstanding who I am. Because I do try to be very motivational and empowering and positive to people that I work with. However, sometimes my conversations with people, especially people that I'm coaching, become very negative and they become very harsh and they become very direct. And it's it's never intentionally it's never intentionally to dominate someone or stroke my ego or to make someone feel stupid. It's just that some people aren't great listeners. Or they only understand through very direct communication, right? And so sometimes you have to simply tell the person who's hired you, who's paid you, hey, you are a terrible boss. <laughs> hey, you're thinking about this all wrong. Hey, you know that your approach here is not, you're not treating your employees well. You're not, you're not stewarding this well. Hey, you have a toxic culture, you know. Um, hey, you've totally gone the wrong way on this. I mean, and, and obviously I'm never trying to break someone down before I build them up. I mean, I'm, I'm all for people who have, you know, the appetite to grow and who want to learn. But I was, I was answering this question to the person who said, you know, how do you stay so motivational? I said, you know, really you have to keep in mind I'm a coach, right? And so I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm a coach. And so I was thinking about that because today I, I want to talk about something that's very practical and very nitty gritty and very in the weeds. And it's very much not uh, inspirational or motivational, but it is very tactical and purposeful, especially if you are someone who you have ever wanted to start your business or maybe you've already started it and you're thinking about why is this thing not growing you know, why is this thing not actually going on to be successful? And this this topic of conversation today that I have for you, it's been born out of uh, the last several weeks of working with a lot of entrepreneurs. Typically what I do for a living is I spend, I spend a portion of my time working with people that I'm trying to sell to. And so these are people who I envision them as buyers. I know that they're going to need help for their business. And so I am, I'm trying to sell my services to them to help grow their business. And then there's other people because I do this because I, I genuinely love doing it. I genuinely love people. I love helping people. I love making people successful. You know, I really feel like there's no greater calling in life than to see someone else successful and to have played a role in that. Because I'm addicted to that, I spend also a lot of my time just giving free advice to people. Part of that is it's actually selfish in that I do that to, it is sort of this risk-free environment where I give free advice and then judging on the outcome, for me, it's sort of like, it's like getting my practice shots in. 
right? It's like before the big game, getting your practice shots in and you're working on your technique. You're improving your technique. You know, you're trying to make sure that what you say is actually good advice. And so I'll give someone, I'll give someone some advice. A lot of times I'll do it on public forums like Reddit. And then later in the day or the next day, I'll come back, I'll circle back, I'll look at people's response to my response to see if anyone's saying, wow, you are a huge idiot and no one should hire you, or if people are saying you're really smart and you know what you're talking about, right? And so I'm I'm doing that constantly because I'm always trying to, again, I'm trying to improve myself, but I'm also trying to genuinely help people because I love helping people. Well, I've 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 continuously keep running into this problem with entrepreneurs and especially people who have fresh startups. And actually, as I was, I, I, keep, I feel like I'm kind of like this broken record because I keep talking about the same topic. And then I actually, as I started doing research about it, I actually found out today that 42% of businesses will fail because of this reason. Now, I talked maybe a couple of months ago on a previous episode about knowing your value and like understanding how to communicate it. How do you assert it? Part of that was motivational. It was like, you know, you are a valuable person. You know, you have value. You're not valueless despite the flaws that you see in yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever. Despite those flaws, there's actually probably a lot more that's great about you than that sucks about you, right? And so part of that message was to encourage people to understand that value. The other part of it, though, was very strategic in understanding that people's perception of your value, it's it's the outcome of how much you're asserting that value to them. So a good way to think of this, I was at a meeting this morning and it was a networking event. And uh, every person had an opportunity to share a little bit about their business. And so despite the fact if I'm if I'm a great speaker or a poor speaker, I remember thinking before I stood up, I want people to know that I really believe in my business and I'm worth listening to. And so I shot up, was very energetic. I said, this is what we do. This is why it's important. This is why it's awesome. This is why I love it. And then I sat back down. Now, again, I don't know how great of a speaker I am, but we had another guy who he stood up and talked for maybe about four seconds, He kind of looked at the ground the whole time and kind of shrugged his shoulders and was like, yeah, you know, pay for my services if you want it, I guess. And then he sat down and I thought, man, this person would really be served well by an encouragement of you have to communicate your value to people. Otherwise, they will actually assume you are valueless, right? It's like, it's like you can be an open book sometimes and people will they will assume your value because of what you're actually communicating to them. It's, it's, I think that's why there's actually a lot of there's actually a lot of power in the expression of fake it till you make it, right? I mean, when we all fake it till we make it, we act, the reason we end up making it is because people believe we're making it. They believe that we're actually doing it right. And so in keeping that in mind, I know I've talked about that topic. I, I wanna I wanna come back to that, but I wanna go a different direction because again, I'm seeing something that consistently it's a consistent problem that I'm seeing in the entrepreneurship world. And apparently it's not just me. It's not just my own bias of seeing this over and over again. But again, 42% of businesses are going to fail because of this. And so let's let's unpack this statistic a little bit. 42% of all businesses are going to fail because these businesses are going to offer something that no one wants. Say it again, 42% of businesses are going to fail because they're going to offer something that nobody wants. 
And I love the expression, the customer is always right. But I've noticed that that I, I didn't know this until this last year, but often when we think about the expression, the customer is always right, we think of it from a customer service standpoint. And you've even, you could probably even think about the really obnoxious customer who's actually recited that to you. You know, they've repeated it to your face, especially when they're being just totally obstinate. You know, they say, hey, I'm, I'm supposed to be always right, right? You know, and you're thinking, no, you're totally wrong. In fact, I want to kick you out of my store. I don't want to work with you ever again, right? Because bottom line, there's customers that are just really challenging to work with and they're not worth the time and energy that you're spending on them. And so a lot of times we think of this expression, the customer is always right, as this sort of mantra of of, of extensive customer service, of being going you know the extra mile and really making sure that you do everything the customer wants because they're the ones who are always right. Well, I found out last year that this expression actually doesn't mean this. It actually doesn't mean do whatever your customer wants. The expression is actually based in an old meaning of the market will tell you what is valuable or not. And when we use that word market, what we're talking about is we're talking about the environment of buyers. We're talking about the environment of buyers, what they're spending their money on, what they're seeing they're seeing and deeming as valuable, and what they're also seeing and deeming as valueless. And so when we say the customer is always right, that's actually what we mean. We mean that devoid of all of our excitement, emotion, hype, energy around our product, ultimately, our buyers are going to tell us, are you actually selling something valuable or not, right? And sometimes when I run into entrepreneurs or when I'm I'm giving advice to people, I find people who are super excited about something that they want to sell. Because again, no one no one willingly is going to sell something that nobody wants. But again, 42% of businesses are going to fail because of this. They're selling something the market does not want. That's almost half of all businesses are selling things that people don't want. And I was thinking about how does this happen? I think first of all, we have our own biases and we have people who steer us wrong, you know, family, friends, close loved ones who say, oh my gosh, that's a great idea. You should totally do that. But when it comes to buying the product, they're not the ones lying up, lining up. They're not the ones saying, yeah, of course, give me, you know, I want to give you my money. Shut up and take my money here. I want it. You know, and so that's why it's so important to get, to get truth tellers around you who can say, you know what, that's a great idea. Or you know what? Ooh, I don't know if that's a really good idea. Right. And so I think, first of all, we have a misunderstanding of the actual value of our product. You know, you have a person who's one out of seven billion people on this planet, and this one person who's pre- who's creating the product is thinking, yeah, I would buy this. That's why I'm making it. Well, the issue isn't would you buy it. The issue is would other pe- people buy it, and would enough people buy it that it would actually give you a profitable business, Right. And that second one I think is pretty important too because sometimes we get one buyer and we think that that's confirmation that we're absolutely selling things the way we actually have people we can sell to, right? So like, for example, I was working with a guy who he runs a leather wristband company. It's a it's an e-commerce uh, shop online, whatever. And he sells leather wristbands. And we were talking about his business and he our, our first part of the conversation was something around the lines of, 
trying to think of what he, oh yeah, he was wanting to get help on his website. And he was like, you know, where do you think I should invest money on my website? Should I invite, should I invest in a marketer? Should I invest in a web designer? Uh, I'm thinking about, and he was walking me through a few different things on his webpage and we're talking it through. And, you know, again, he's, he has all these different solutions that he's trying to spend time, energy, and money on. And he's already spent maybe, I don't know, four or $5,000, uh, getting this website launched and getting the products launched. And he has all these professional photos. And if you aren't, I was as probably confused as maybe you were in hearing about what this product is. They're leather wristbands. They're kind of like they're kind of like bracelets, and they are these really big, thick uh, armbands or wristbands that they're they're leather wristbands, right? And so they has all these different designs of it, uh, different types of leather, and different price points. And he has all these professional models who are modeling these wristbands that. Uh, he's, I assume has paid to do all these things. So he's put a lot of money into this. Well, he's made one of the major mistakes that a lot of business owners will make is that they'll invest incredible, uh, they'll they'll invest an incredible amount of resources into something without even confirming that people actually want it. It's actually why if you've never heard of what, what an MVP is, it stands for minimum viable product. It stands for it, it basically means that you're trying to get as, you know, the the shoestrings tied together as best you can so that you can actually get out there and market it and sell it to get an idea of do people actually want this? It's why you don't do, if you're building an app, you don't build all the 10 million features you want in it. Instead, you get it up and running just basically the skin and bones of it you market it, and then if people are buying you for it, then the market is telling you, hey, you have something of value here. Now's the time to actually go back and invest all the time, money, and resources into it. But what drives me crazy is I meet people, I meet these entrepreneurs who they put all of this money, they have, and it and it's it's it makes me feel bad because it's 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 all rooted in the right emotion, right? It's it's people who understand you have to spend money to make money, right? Uh, I was laughing. I was, I was a friend of mine. We were talking about entrepreneurs who have this, this mindset of, I want to start this business and I want to take it to this point. Now, how do I do that with zero dollars? And I'm like, I've never met anyone who started a hyper successful business with zero dollars. You have to spend money to make money. So it's all rooted in the right emotion, but it's totally misaligned. I mean, you have people who they're taking their time and energy and they're spending it on a massive website without even knowing that there are even buyers out there. And so I asked him about it and I said, you know, well, who are your buyers? Well, I have 12 buyers, okay, out of how many visitors, out of how many potential customers, out of about 12,000. And I'm just floored listening to this. I'm thinking, okay, that's, what is that? That's one, that's 0.1%, that's 0.01%. I I don't know, it's it's low, right? It's it's non, it's, it's totally inconsequential, you know, it's, it's not important. You have basically no buyers out of 12,000 customers. So what that means is right now you have not found a product at the market once. And so you can do one of two things. You can try to niche down your product. So I'm going to try to sell my product to a very specific demographic. I'm going to market it to these very specific people. So instead of you know, uh, having something that is directed at, I don't know, a million people, maybe you're niching down to, I'm selling to 15 to 18 year old guys who also love Tony Hawk. 
I don't know. I have no idea. It's just, I'm top of my head. I have no idea. Does Tony Hawk, does he even, I don't even know if, even, if anyone even knows who he is anymore. But so the, you're niching down because you're trying to really focus on a specific demographic to get an idea of would this demographic find value in my product? But see, what happens is people, they, they exert all of this time, energy, and money without even first verifying their product. And so I, I think the first big takeaway as we talk practically about starting your business or actually scaling your business is you have to verify that you have something of value. That does not mean people who tell you they will buy it. That means hard, actual data of people who bought your product. I was talking to a guy who was talking about his product and I asked him, you know, have you verified your offering? And he said, yeah, I got 200 people on a newsletter who are all really excited about it. And I said, okay, well, how many of them have you sold to? Well, none. Okay, <laughs> until you sell to them, it's not a valid offer. It makes me think of my previous firm they had put together some kind of uh, women in leadership program, and it was something that was designed around uh, training and equipping, uh, excuse me, training and equipping women in leadership positions. And uh, my CEO, uh, who she has just been a phenomenal person, she talks about in the story about how she went around and asked a lot of the uh, their their women customers who they had worked with and asked, you know, is this something you would buy? And they were like, oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Well, so they went through all the work to actually design it and build it and make it, you know, spent all this time, money, and resources on it. And then no one bought it. No one actually wanted it, right? Because there's a difference between actually putting your wallet up for something that you want and then just saying, yeah, I'd like that. Yeah, I'd want that. Well, yeah, of course I'd buy that, right? So the, ver the very first very practical thing, if you're launching your business, you're trying to scale your business, take your MVP, take the, the you know, get it together as, as best you can and then see who will buy it. Try to market to people and see who will actually buy it. It's kind of like where, you know, I have these business cards that I put together on uh, these business cards cost me like $20. I mean, I got it on Cam canvas or Canva, canva.com. And I took a design that was already there and I changed the, I changed the title of the company on the business card to my company. Good advice. Now, will I eventually go back and get like a professional design and like get really awesome business cards? Yeah, I will. Of course I will. But right now for, for launching the MVP of my business, I don't need that. The $20 one will do. You know, the the Squarespace website that I've spent like an hour and a half on, that's just like a template that you change words on, that one's going to do for now. Where I want to be spending my time and energy is actually getting in front of people and selling. Selling to them, building credibility for my business, and actually building revenue that I can then devote back to the business. So as you're thinking that through, as you're processing that, as you're especially thinking about a certain product or certain great business idea that's in your mind, all that matters is what the market tells you. It doesn't matter if you think it's really great. What matters is what the market thinks, right? So you got to get out there. You have to meet people you can sell to. Now, following on to this point number two, I, I mentioned how I wanted to tie back to uh, we'll tell you what, before I get into that, let me say one other thing on this. As you're thinking about your product, as you're thinking about what you want to offer, 
And all this was very easy for me because I was working for a firm where I was literally, I mean, I, I charged one company $10,000 for a day. Literally just, just one day was $10,000 uh, to work with our company. And so you have companies that are spending thousands of dollars to work with us. And so I already knew that what I was, and that was me as a salesperson. And so I already knew that from a sales perspective that I had something that was valuable to the market. So even when launching my MVP, I already had a lot of really great data that confirmed to me that I wasn't totally screwing over my life by quitting my job and starting my own company, right? I didn't have to have as much anxiety because I already knew I'm offering something that I know people want. I also know that coaching and consulting in general is a multi-billion dollar business. So again, I already knew that I had something that people wanted. But going back to my conversation on value, and especially this is this is point number two, if you've if you have found something that is your offering, you have to be able to own the value of that and assert it to people you're selling to. Here's a good way to think of this. I had someone describe it to me this way, and they said, "What's the difference between the ten thousand dollar coaching program and the one thousand dollar coaching program?" And my first answer was, well, I mean, I guess the $10,000 person is someone who's a lot more experienced. And that that may be true. That may be absolutely true. It could be someone who really is that much more experienced. But the person answered back to me. They said, wrong. It's all perception of value. The $10,000 person is able to communicate and convince and sell better than the $1,000 person can. And I think what's really fascinating on this conversation of value is I find people who will undersell themselves consistently because they it, it's almost like they feel really guilty having people give them their money, right? It's it's like and and I think it's because a lot of people are just we we have just really uh, altruistic behaviors, we have really honest behaviors, and so you know we and and frankly we're the biggest criticizers of ourselves and so it's really hard to stand in front of someone and say yeah this is what this is worth right but i see this happen a lot with people who who are or take for example there was a woman i was working with who she's a wedding designer and she does all of the wedding decorations and she's incredibly gifted i was looking through some pictures that she had put up i was looking through some of her photos and i thought oh my gosh this person's amazing and I always do that on the front end because, I, again, I, I want to know, does this person actually have something of value? And so we're talking it through. We're talking about her business. And she's saying, it's really, I'm really having a tough time. And I said, well, tell me about your customers. And she's talking about just these awful horror stories of her customers who just really took advantage of her, who really uh, did not give good reviews to her. And which shocked me because, again, I'm looking at the photos and I'm thinking, how could this be possible? This looks like some of the most beautiful weddings I've ever seen, Right. Well, then she said, well, I gave away my services for free and I paid for the decorations out of pocket. And I thought, okay, there it is. Therein lies the problem. The problem is that you are, by giving away your services for free, you are essentially communicating that you your product lacks value. Because think of it this way. If I called you and I was going to Let's say I was going to coach you. Or I was going to give you some advice in your business. And then I added on, and you know what? It's going to be totally free. What would your first thought be? Your first thought would be, well, why is it free? This person must not be any good. If this person was any good, they wouldn't have to give it away for free. It's kind of like I was talking to a guy who he's a web designer. He has a web design business. And 
he approached me and said, hey, I'd, I would love to revise your website for free. And I said, really? Well, tell me about yourself. And he talked about this huge portfolio. He was like, I've worked with these major businesses. I've designed these major these major websites. Uh, I've been part of a, you know, he said something like a $20 million firm uh, where I was the internal web design and you know, all this incredible stuff. And I thought, really, I just, I just couldn't help but think BS, right? Because I thought, if you've done all of those things, if you have this incredible portfolio, why are you giving away your work to total strangers for free? So either you're lying about the background or you really aren't as good as you say you are. And that's why I think it's so essential. You have to be able to own it and really communicate to people, this is what it costs. And the best news is that will filter out people that you actually want to work with and those that you do not. Trust me, you do not want to work with the penny pincher person who complains about every fee, every charge, everything. You don't want to work with that person, right? And it's kind of it's kind of wild how the people who spend more money and are willing to spend more money, they have a much more respectful, professional approach and and just relationship with you than the people who are trying to nickel and dime you, right? And so in thinking that through, Ultimately, the quality of customers you want is going to be directly related to how well you own your price to people. So like, for example, when someone comes and works for me, it is multiple thousand dollars. It isn't, it isn't like 200 bucks and we'll work together. Or I had one guy who offered to pay me $50 an hour and I said, no, I don't do that. Sorry. No, I don't do that. Now, that's not because I have ego or because I, you know, I, I, um, you know, I'm just unwilling to help people. It's simply because I understand that people's value, the easiest way to to dictate that value in me is through price. So for you, uh, this is, I guess, point number two, or the second big takeaway from today is you have to be willing to assert your value to people. And ultimately, I, I got into a conversation with a guy about this the other day, and I I, I disagreed with him, but then now as I'm thinking through it, I'm thinking, I think this person was actually onto something because he said, if you have a problem with, cause someone, someone asked the question, what gives me the right? And I think she was selling some kind of, um, some kind of real estate. Uh, I don't know what it was. And she was charging like $500. Uh, and it was like some kind of program or something she was selling. It was 500 bucks. And she was saying kind of in, in, out of, this begrudging heart of, you know, what gives me the right to charge someone $500? I mean, how dare I charge 500 when, you know, it really doesn't take that much time or effort on my part, which by the way, I mean, you're, it's, it's, it's not about time. It's about, it's about outcomes, right? It's what you're guaranteeing is what, what you will give them in return. Right. And so it's kind of like when you go to the dentist or I had a, uh, a cyst on my back that had, I know really gross, right? I had to get a cyst removed on my, on my back. It was a 30-minute procedure, and it was $750. <laughs> so it's it's less about the timeliness. Now, I, I guess I could have gone back to the doctor and said, hey, can you actually just dig around back there for five hours just so I feel like I get my money's worth? Or I can understand that the cost to get that outcome and get it done well where my back's not like totally mutilated, it's going to cost 750 bucks. Right. Same thing is true about the dentist. You know, to get a cavity filled, it's like 30 or 45 minutes. Now, do you really want to ask the dentist to spend five hours in your teeth? Probably not. Right. 
So it's all about the outcome that you're promising. But this person asked this question and this guy that I get into a discussion with, he says, that is extremely dishonest of you. He said, "That's that. this is your problem. You're being extremely dishonest and you're lacking integrity. And I jumped in and I was kind of like, okay, that's kind of, that's kind of harsh. I mean, she's not like murdering someone. She's not taking advantage of her customers. In fact, she's trying to do the opposite. She's trying to do the right thing. You know, how could that, how could that be a lack of integrity? And his name was Hunter. And so Hunter responds. He says, the reason it's a lack of integrity is because she is going to try to sell a product to people that she doesn't even fully believe in herself. That's a lack of integrity. She's going to try to sell something to people that she doesn't even feel like is really worth that much. And if you're going to have integrity in business, whenever you sell to someone, you have to truly, honestly believe that it's actually worth that much. And so as you're selling, as you're asserting your value, you got to really believe it. Even if you're you're faking it till you make it, you got to really believe it. And the third thing that I'll say and again, these are just these are just really practical, quick and dirty tips for for you and your business. And again, all this is just born out of I, I keep having these same conversations with entrepreneurs. And uh, so yeah, so the third thing is whatever you're you're thinking about selling, for the love of God, make it easy on yourself and pick something that's at least a little bit relevant, just just a hair relevant. So like print media, for example, I was talking to a guy, he's wanting to start a flyer design business. He has a print shop, or I think he's acquiring a print shop, and he wants to be the source for uh, companies that are printing flyers, uh, salespeople who are printing flyers. Now, it's not a terrible idea. I mean, there's, there's certainly a market for it, but it would be like someone starting a business restoring VHS tapes. Is there a market for it? Absolutely. Could you find customers? Absolutely. But out of all of the options for my future business, am I going to choose something from 30 years ago or I'm going to or or am I going to which and by the way this industry is shrinking every day. They aren't making new VHSs. Or am I going to choose something that allows me to have my niche, to compete, to stand out in the competition, you know, which is it going to be, right? And so as you're thinking about your future product, choose something you can be unique in and that, and, and, I, and I literally mean that you can actually be unique in, that you actually have a fighting chance for, and then something, some kind of industry that it's, it's not going to die in the next 10 years, like the funeral business, that's not going anywhere. Right? I mean, people are going to keep dying. I don't think that's going to change. So if someone comes to me and says, I want to start my funeral business, I'm not going to say, man, I'm really worried about your future. I mean, maybe I'm worried about the person. I don't know. I don't know the kind of people who like eagerly seek this out. But uh, here's a good way to think of it. I was talking to someone who uh, he's, he wants to become a real estate agent. Man, there's a lot of real estate agents out there. A lot of real estate agents. And I'm not knocking the profession. I'm just saying there's a lot of real estate agents. And he's, he's coming right out of college. He's going right into the field. He, he's a pretty um, extroverted person. And I, I'm giving him advice and saying, this is what you got to do. And this is some ways to think of it. But, but man, I, I'm nervous for you because there are so many realtors around here. And the market is hot. It's not going to be hot forever, right? And so when you find yourself frustrated 
as to why can't I drum up any business when the competition is all over the place. You know, you throw a stone in any direction and you hit a competitor that causes you to have to elevate your business to the next level where you have to offer better prices or you have to, uh, you know, invest in your marketing budget even more so people even know who you are. So for the love of everything that's good and holy, if you're going to start your business, try to do something that's easier for you to set yourself apart and stand out rather than something that is already saturated. So taking all that, you know, wrapping it all up in a nice, neat little package, you have to be able to understand, am I offering something that customers want? Am I standing out where people know who I am? And am I communicating my value to people? Am I actually communicating the value or am I trying to give away my services for free? And which, by the way, it's, it's okay to do something like a swap, right? It's okay to say, hey, I'll give you my services for free if in return you will give me a testimonial that I can put on my website or you will, uh, you know, if it legitimately helps you or I'll give you the service for free if I could use your service for free. But someone said it really well to me, and I think it, I think it, I'll always remember it. You will never gain value from undervaluing yourself. I'll say it again. You'll never gain value from undervaluing yourself. As you reduce your value, it will never add value in someone else's mind. Now, it may in a temporary way, people who try to take advantage of you or try, people are trying to get a quick buck or trying to get a quick opportunity from you, but long-term, it'll never add value to you. So make sure you're communicating and you're being assertive about your value. And that's, that's above anything. It's beyond your credibility. That's beyond your age. Uh, I was talking to a guy, he's 21 years old. He's, he's selling a product to restaurants uh, for the restaurant industry. And he said, my biggest problem is that I'm 21 years old. And I said, yeah, in your mind, it's your biggest problem. Don't let it be the biggest problem in your buyer's mind. You know, you have to assert to people that you have something of value that they want. Otherwise, if you're passive, they're going to think all the things you're worried about them thinking, right? So uh, that's what I got today, guys. I, I feel a little bad. You know, it wasn't really a motivational episode, but but I wanted to really drill down and get some really practical stuff for you, uh, especially those of you, my listeners, who you already have a business, you're launching a business. I, w- I want to give you some things that will actually help you avoid some of the trip mines that people continuously run into. Uh, don't be that person that's part of the 42%. Make sure you verified, make sure it's something of value, and then all you got to do is communicate that value, and you'll have something that turns out to be a sustainable business. I'll catch you guys later. Thanks for your support. If you have any questions, comments, or you have any kind of feedback, you can always email me, blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. I'll see you later, guys. Bye-bye.